Thank you for participating in this teaching service. We believe you have been blessed by the word. You're welcome to visit us at Emma Community 5 of PV or being run about. God bless you and we hope to see you next Tuesday. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this meeting. We thank you for every one of your children whom, Lord, you've ushered into your house in our various branches and more especially brethren who are in the diaspora. Lord, we thank you very much in the name of Jesus. And we are the Lord once again to give us your word. Give us understanding. Give us insight. Enlighten, Lord, the eyes of our understanding that we might behold wonderful things out of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all be seated. This evening, I want to talk a little bit about the altar. The altar. A-L-T-A-R. The altar. Altar is a word that we all, we all know very, very well. And a lot of times we, we think of the altar as belonging to the Old Testament days. And that is true. Uh, this evening, I'm trusting the Lord to teach us that to show us that the altar is still very much with us. And therefore, we know how to approach God, to approach his altar. So, this evening, we want to look at the altar. A-L-T-A-R. And for our text, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 8. Genesis 8, verses 20 to 22. Genesis chapter 8, verses 20 to 22. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and, every, and of every clean bed and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Amen. Praise the Lord. Shall I say the altar? We see here an account of Noah erecting an altar. Noah erecting an altar to the Lord. 
he built an altar to the Lord. An altar simply means a place of sacrifice. An altar is a place of sacrifice. And of course, there are many altars in the world. Altars are built place of worship, sacrifice to, to gods. But the altar we are looking at is the place of sacrifice to God, the most high God, creator of the universe, the only living and the only true God. Any place that you erect and you worship anything or sacrifice there becomes your altar. Here we are told that Noah Immediately after the flood, when the flood had ceased, the flood was over, and he came out of the ark, he built an altar to the Lord. He built an altar to the Lord. And he took some clean animals, beasts of the field and bears of the air, and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. He offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. Now, Noah's altar is the very first altar that man built for God. This altar we're talking about is the very the number one, the very first altar that man ever built to God. Before Noah, no altar had been built to God. And you can see that God was so pleased God was so satisfied. God so much accepted the altar and the sacrifice on it. And of course, don't forget that how God accepts the altar or the sacrifice depends on the spiritual status. It depends on the person offering the sacrifice. Therefore, it's written that God had respect Abel and the sacrifice. But for Cain and the sacrifice, God did not respect. So whoever offered the sacrifice must be holy, must first of all be acceptable on the Lord. We're coming to that very soon. So here we see the first, the very first altar that was ever built by a man to God. It was built by Noah. Immediately after leaving the ark, and here Noah sacrificed to God. He sacrificed to God. He knew the God that he was sacrificing to. He sacrificed to God. And this sacrifice was so pleasing to God that the Bible said God smelled a soothing aroma. God smelled a pleasing aroma and because of this God made some profound and huge promises which have prevailed today and which promises will be there until Christ comes because of Noah's sacrifice and the spiritual status of Noah God was so happy that God responded God responded by making some profound, huge sacrifices. Sorry, promises. Praise the Lord. It may mean that, and it is true, 
every time we come to God, if we come to God in holiness and you make sacrifices to God that are a pleasing aroma, a soothing aroma to him, he smiles at you and he blesses you. In this case, in fact, God blessed the whole world. God blessed the entire earth. And this is what God said. Verse 21 says, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, and God is always bound by his word, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although, although um, the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. There are people who have argued that, in fact, God made the world. God created the world. And having created everything, he left everything in the charge of man. He just left in the care of, in the care of men and walked away. God just gave it to us to manage, and he walked away. And that's why... So many bad things are going on, things are happening, and it looks like God doesn't care because now God has finished. It's now our responsibility, our duty to manage the earth. So whatever goes on, God doesn't care anymore. It's not true. God said, even though man is evil, man's imagination is continually evil, even from his youth as a child, he will never again curse the earth. And he will never destroy every living thing that he had done before. Never again. So once God has said it, that is it. Praise the Lord. Then he said, now, as long as the earth remains, as long as the earth remains, while the earth remains, See time and have another way. Everything will go on exactly as he planned. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what mankind does. His word is what is going to prevail. See time and harvest. Cold and heat. Winter and summer. Day and night. Shall not cease. In other words, what he has set in motion is not going to alter anything because of man's wickedness. Because of man's wickedness, God is not going to change anything until the end comes. And people have misinterpreted. They have looked at this and said, oh, there's even no God. Because they have, they have even cursed God and seem to get away with it. All kinds of crimes and hideous things have been done. They look at God doesn't see you or God is not interested. And people seem to be getting away with it. But then, the time for judgment will come. The time of accountability will come. And these are promises that God made because of the sacrifice that Noah sacrificed to God, the very first altar. And from that, we have all received mighty blessings. And may you all continue to receive blessings from the altar of God. Clap your two hands for Jesus. After that, many altars 
Many altars were built by the patriarchs, by the great men of old. Many altars were erected by Abraham in Genesis. When you go to let's look at Genesis 12, verse 7. Abraham then built the second next altar. Genesis 12, 7. Then the Lord appeared, Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Genesis 12, verse 7. And there Abraham built an altar who had appeared to him. Now, this altar that Abraham built similar to the one that Noah built, was an altar on which they sacrificed the Lord. It was a sacrificial altar. An altar on which they sacrificed. They made sacrifices to the Lord. Now, again, Genesis 13, verses 2 to 4. Genesis 13, 2 to 4. Genesis 13, 2 to 4. Again, Abraham built another altar. Genesis chapter 13, verses 2 to 4. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called, and there... Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now, this particular altar was an altar of prayer. Here, Abraham did not sacrifice, but he built an altar and he called on the name of the Lord. He prayed to God. He called on the name of the Lord. So, this altar was primarily for prayer. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then when we get to, again, Genesis 22, 9 to 13, Genesis 22, 9 to 13. Genesis 22, verses 9 to 13. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not, do not lay your hand on the Lord or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. By his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Praise the Lord. So again, this altar was for sacrifices. Sacrifices. Isaac also built. Isaac went on to build altars. Genesis 26 verse 25. Genesis 26 25. His son Isaac also built altars. Genesis 26, 25. 
So that's so he, that's Isaac, built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. This altar, again, was an altar for prayer. It wasn't an altar for sacrifice, it was an altar for prayer. Jacob also built altars. Genesis 33, verses 18 to 20. Genesis 33, 18 to 20. Genesis 33, verses 18 to 20. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from Padanaram, and he pitched his tent before the city. And he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamel, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El Elohi Israel. So Jacob also, we see here, building an altar and sacrificing. So this is an altar of sacrifice. Praise the Lord. And on and on and on and on. I'll give you another scripture. Genesis 35, verse 1 to 7. Also, an altar of sacrifice. Genesis, Genesis 35, verses 1 to 7. Genesis 35, 1 to 7. Again, sacrifice. And by Moses. Moses, in Exodus 17, verse 15. Exodus 15, sorry, Exodus 17, verse 15. Moses also built an altar. Exodus 17, verse 15. And Moses built an altar and called his name, The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. And then, chapter 20, 24 to 26. Exodus 20, verse 24 to 26. Exodus chapter 20, again Moses. Exodus chapter 20, 24 to 26. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you are profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. So Moses also instructed to build an altar. And Moses' altars were both for sacrifice and for prayer. The altars that Moses built, this time they were for sacrifices, and for prayer. Now, when we come to a tabernacle of Moses, David, and the others, the tabernacle, um, which is the temple, when now, later on, they built a tabernacle, the temple for God, where they used to gather and worship. These were erected, and they had 
true. Therefore, they had two altars there. Later on in the history of Israel, when they built the tabernacles, they separated the altars. The altar for sacrifices and the altar for prayer. Therefore, the tabernacle had two kinds of altars erected. The one for sacrifices and the other for prayer. And the one for prayer was called the altar of incense. Altar of incense. Praise the Lord. So in the tabernacle of Moses, tabernacle of David, two altars, they separated sacrificial altar from the prayer altars. And as time went on, it got better and better and better and better. Hallelujah. Now, the tabernacle that they had in those days has now become the church. It started with Noah building an altar somewhere after he came out of the, of the ark. And then um, Abraham took over. Isaac, Jacob, and others. But when it, later on in Moses, as they traveled across the wilderness, now God told them to build a tabernacle, which was like an auditorium with different compartments, holiest, holy of holies, and all, all, those, all, the, all those things. And this has now become a modern-day church. We don't have tabernacles anymore as they were in those days. But they have been made better or progressively improved. So now we have church auditoriums. We have churches. House of God. Hallelujah. Even in the days of Acts of the Apostles, they called the place of prayer. They used to meet in people's homes. And now we have former churches, temples built. Now, the tabernacle or the temple in those days, having become the modern day churches, though we don't have altars, we don't have the altar for sacrifice and the altar for a burn of incense, spiritually, these things are still present in every genuine house of God. Because God is still receiving sacrifices from men. God is still hearing prayers. Though they had altars for sacrifices and the altars for prayer. And whenever they offered incense and prayed, God heard and God answered. In fact, in the tabernacle, whenever they burned incense as prayer, God appeared between the cherubim. And that's why God is said, the God who appeared between the cherubim. On the mercy seat, between the cherubim, later time they prayed and offered incense, on the altar of incense, the glory of the Lord appeared between the two cherubim. And God blessed his children. Praise the Lord. And the same thing is happening today. Every time we pray, God hears and God confirms his presence in the midst of his children. So, what began as an altar in the days of Noah 
and progress to a tabernacle in the midst of Moses and David have now become the modern day church. And therefore, these two kinds of altars are still present, though they are not physical, spiritually, they are still present with us in every Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled church. These altars are there. So that whenever you and I come before God, as we have done now, whether you are Niboy Town, Teshin, Mishekam, Tema, or wherever you are watching us solemnly in holiness, it's the same as having come before God in the days of the tabernacle. They had, they had very strict rituals. God gave them strict commandments. How they should how they should come before him in the tabernacle. These days, we don't have those strict instructions, what to do, how to wash your clothes, what to do, no. But you and I, in Christ Jesus, are expected not to forget, not to be careless, and not to be ignorant of the fact that it's the same God that we are coming to. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Jacob, is the same God that you and I come before. And therefore, we must come before him with reverence, we must come before him with awe, come before him with due respect. And knowing that we are before God, expect, therefore, that in the same way as we appear before the cherubim, in between the cherubim in those days, so is he with us now. And that's why we say no one comes before God and goes back home the same. Church, if you agree with me, say amen. amen. Let's clap our hands for Jesus. Now, it means that the church, therefore, the church, therefore, now, actually stands for the altar of God. Because once you come before God in the church, we have come to the altar of God. And we come to God in holiness, first of all, in holiness to pray and to make sacrifices. Two major reasons why you and I come and we must come before God regularly is to offer our sacrifices on the altar of sacrifice as they used to do in those days and to offer the incense of prayer. And uh, that is the essence of these teachings. Things are, nothing has changed. In fact, it has become better in the new covenant mediated by Jesus. Things have become more powerful, much better. But just let us not forget, every time we gather as the children of God, we are a holy gathering, a holy convocation. We are a holy convocation. And that's why we are the body of Christ. Christ being the head of the church, we are his body. We are a holy gathering. And we come before him to offer our sacrifices and to offer our incense prayer. And as God used to answer them in those days, so even more, 
does he answer us? And this is something that will raise, increase your faith and draw you closer to God and make you know how to better, in a better way, walk with God. Church, say amen to that. Now, we've talked about two types of altars in the Old Testament. The altar of burnt offerings. The altar of burnt offerings. Now, this altar, the tabernacle, was made with bronze. It was made with a substance called bronze. Exodus 30 Verse 28 and 29. Exodus chapter 13. Verses 28 and 29. That the altar of sacrifice. Exodus, Exodus chapter 30. Verses 28 and 29. The altar of burnt offering with all his essentials and the, and the lava and his base, you shall consecrate them that they, be, that they be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. 28. The altar of burnt offerings with all his utensils and the lava and his base, you shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. Praise the Lord. Now, this was made of bronze and is therefore called a bronze water. Now, bronze water. Now, Exodus 39, verse 39. Exodus 39, verse 39. Exodus 39, verse 39. The bronze water is great of bronze, his poles, and all, all his utensils, the lava, with his beard. It was made of bronze. Made of bronze. And um, there's a reason why it was made of bronze. The altar of incense, as in Exodus 30, verses 1 to 3. The altar of incense, Exodus 30, 1 to 3. Let's go back to Exodus 30, 1 to 3. Exodus 30, verses 1 to 3. You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, and a cubit its width. It shall be square, and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. And you shall overlay it, you shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold, and you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. So, the altar of sacrifice was made of bronze, and the altar of incense was made of pure gold. Pure gold. For the two different altars, for different, different purposes. Hallelujah. Now, the bronze altar, the bronze altar in those days, was meant to symbolize, to foreshadow 
to be a symbol, a type, to foreshadow the cross upon which Christ, our burnt offering, offered himself without blemish unto God. And that's why God smelled um, a soothing aroma from Noah's uh, sacrifice those days. And God also because Noah tapped Noah building that first altar and offering on it clean animals without blemish, without spot. Tapped into something that is eternal. Something that is so big, so huge. Noah was able to actually touch the heart of God by what he did. Therefore, God was so happy and God made some very huge promises out of which we have all benefited to today. Because the bronze altar represents the cross. Chelsea, the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus offered himself as a living sacrifice without blemish, sinless unto God. Hallelujah. Hebrews, 11, Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 to 14. Hebrews 9, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, of the good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Hebrews 9, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So, we can see that the bronze altar itself, the bronze altar on which Christ sacrificed himself, speaks of divine judgment. It also speaks of divine judgment because Christ, having done everything, done everything, those who do not access, those who do not make use, those who neglect so great a salvation, will have nothing but judgment coming upon them. And we saw this way back, there was a type of it, way back, in the book of Numbers, Numbers, 
Numbers 21 verse 9. We saw it. We, saw, we, had, we have a type. We have a symbol, the beginning, the shadow. In Numbers 21 verse 9. So you can see that in fact the whole Bible, the whole word of God ties up so beautifully together. You know, everything is so interwoven that nothing that happened just happened by chance. Everything designed by God. So, Numbers 21 verse 9. So, Moses made a bronze serpent. So, Moses made a bronze serpent in the wilderness and put it on a pole. On a pole, like Jesus hanging on the cross. And so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. This was a period, a time in the wilderness when Israel sinned against God. As they traveled across the wilderness, they forgot that the wilderness was filled with poisonous serpents, snakes. In the same way as the world, and indeed many Christians forget that the world that we live in is filled with very venomous serpents. Serpents. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walking about like an angry lion, seeking whom he devour. Satan, God said, Satan, where have you come from? Oh, from walking on a going to and fro. Go to and fro, back and forth on the earth. Doing what? Seeking whom he may devour. So Israel forgot that the fact that they were able to travel across the wilderness you know, so freely and so, so easily because God was with them. But there were venomous serpents there. And when they sinned against God, God allowed the serpents into their midst. The serpents began to bite them. And no serpent, Garden of Eden, what the serpent stands for. So, as many as were bitten died. They all started dying. And thousands died. And when they cried to the Lord, God did not take away the serpents. God did not take away the serpents. He said Moses should make a bronze serpent. A serpent using the metal bronze. Hang it on a pole, on a stick, and then lift it, and lift it up. So anyone who was bitten by the serpent, if we were bitten by a serpent and you look at the bronze serpent that Moses had this is up then you you were healed, you were cured, you lived. Jesus made mention of this when he was contending with the Jews. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, as Moses lifted up the serpent, the bronze serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man also be lifted up. In other words, if you sin, if you are you are going through the, 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 the punishment for your sin and you turn to Jesus, you look at Jesus, genuinely, you are forgiven and you will live. You have eternal life. So, you can see here that bronze is true for judgment. The same bronze on which people make sacrifices and God was happy. At the same time, they also stood for judgment. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
When we come to the house of God, remember, these things are still here. Spiritually. Spiritually. Now, on this altar, we bring and give our offerings in the church. On this altar, we bring our offering. That's why every time we come together, we take an offering. We take an offering. We give offerings. Not only because we need the offering, because way back in the tabernacle, we were making sacrifices. Bulls and goats and sheep and heifers. And God had used it for these sacrifices. So when we come before God in his temple now, in the church, we also give. We bring sacrifices. And every time you bring your sacrifice, though we don't have a bronze altar here, a bronze altar erected here, when you bring your sacrifice, the moment you will lift it up, as soon as you lift it up, it becomes holy unto the Lord. And for that reason, we don't give change. Adam was said, your man says son. Hallelujah. Because that note that you lift up, holy unto the Lord. So we don't give, come back and say, we want to take it back and, uh, you know, get changed. No. And for that reason, and if, you, if you're watching or listening anywhere, for that reason, we in FCAC, we don't believe. We don't believe in throwing money on the floor. There are some things that early in the ministry, God told me never to do. Unfortunately, these things are being done even by bishops and archbishops over the world. I don't know where they got that from, but having heard this, I've never seen anywhere in the Bible where anyone went to tabernacle of God or to the temple in Jerusalem with his offering and then through it threw it down the priests. No. They had a way of receiving the offerings or the sacrifices. And therefore we in SCAC, we don't believe. But God said we shouldn't do it. It's one of the things that God said we should not do. By throwing our sacrifices on the floor. If I have to give you money, give you a gift, and I throw it at you, Will you be happy with it? No. Doesn't matter how valuable the gift is. If I just come to you and I throw it at your feet, take it. How much more when you're giving to God? How much more when you're giving to God? But churches are doing it. And don't see anything wrong with it. Number two, one thing God told me never to do and which many, almost every church, at least in Ghana, and they are doing it, is putting the pastor's picture, your picture, on a, on, a, on, a, on a billboard in front of the church. Your picture. Because if you see the tabernacle, the house of God at the place of sacrifice, where people come in, where God is, God receives sacrifices. Having heard what you have, having read what you have done, how can a human being, human being, put his picture smiling or laughing in front of a church, which is 
where the altar, the altar of God. In other words, if the church is the altar of God, the church is the altar of God, how can we put any human being's picture next to the altar of God? Church, think of it. How can, how can anybody, whether pastor or reverend apostle or bishop, archbishop, put his, his mortal picture, image, image, next to the altar or in front of the altar of God? Who is he? And what is he? And that's number two thing that God told me never to do. When we finished chapter two, finished building, I was there one day when they sent photographers from headquarters. Come and take my picture. They wanted to put a, a, a board, signboard there with my picture next to Bishop's picture. And I said, no way. But I said, they were free. They are free to put Bishop's picture there, but I would not put my picture there. And they were not very happy. I said, go and tell Bishop that I don't want my picture in the church. He can put his, he the, he the Bishop, he can put his picture there. But I will not want my picture. And that's why FCAC, we don't have, and we will never have, we never see my picture on any of our branches. And one day when God calls me home in the new Genova here, never allow him to put his picture anywhere. Praise the Lord. Do you agree with me? Clap your hand for Jesus. No picture. Number three. One thing God told me to do, never call myself as the founder of a church. Founder of a church. And you are equating yourself to Jesus. Founder and generosity. No, I'm the generosity, I'm not the founder. Because if the church represents the altar of God, from the days of Moses, so Noah, and it has come to your time. How can you call yourself the founder of the altar? How can any human being, mortal being, call himself the founder of the altar of God? And that's why I believe FCAC, we are not many, and we never have many. I've been saying it for years. Early in the ministry, I've been saying that we will never be many. We will never have a large crowd. No. Because what God is doing with us in our midst, uh, many of those who cannot understand, they cannot take it. They cannot take it. And therefore, um, they find it difficult to be here. Though it is easy. Even many pastors have come and they have not been able to stay. Pastors from other churches come and they are not able to stay. But that's what the Lord has asked me to do. And I must obey God rather than men. I must obey God rather than men. If the church represents the altar of God, then church, judge for yourself. How to give money, your sacrifice to God. It's a solemn ceremony. It must be done with proper reverence to God. Then no man qualifies to put his image next to the altar of God. And no man qualified to call himself the founder of the church. Because the founder is Jesus. The founder of the church is Jesus. And no man must take that honor unto himself. Church, if you agree with me, say amen. amen. Now, the, finally, the altar of incense 
the altar of incense represents Christ as our intercessor. I told that the altar of incense for prayer. So that represents Christ as our intercessor. And um, I don't know whether I have time to read it, but Christ showed this in John 17, John chapter 17, verses 6 to 26. I don't know whether I have time. To, I won't have time to read all, but can read that at home. John chapter 17, verses 6 to 26. Jesus praying for his disciples and Jesus praying for all believers. John chapter 17, verses 6 to 26. Now, from verse 6 to 19, Jesus prays for his disciples. Then 20 to 26, he prays for all believers. Jesus, the intercessor. That is the gold, gold altar. The altar of gold. The altar of incense. Made of pure gold. But I'll read Hebrews 7, verse 25. Hebrews 7, 25. Hebrews 7, 25. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Therefore, he, that Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since he always lived to make intercession for them. Since he always lived to make intercession for them. So the gold altar represents, which is the altar of incense, is the altar of prayer. And it represents Christ, again, making intercessory prayer for the church, for us. Now this altar our prayers are heard and granted. The altar of, the bronze altar is where you make sacrifices to God. You give to God. And then you go to the altar of incense made of gold and you pray and then God gives to you. So you give to God and God gives to you. That's why there are two altars there. And don't forget that the same way in the modern day church, that same spiritual principle is very much present with us. In the olden days, you didn't have much faith. So everything had been represented by physical or natural things. But now, we, we live by faith. And therefore, you don't need to see the altar physically, but you need to have that understanding. And then when you know that you approach, you approach God without understanding, without seeing, then greater the blessing. That's why, in fact, every article, if you take the church at the altar of God, you mean that every article in the house of God is actually part of the altar. Every article in the house of God, being a holy article, is part, forms part of the altar. The bronze altar and the gold altar. So, for example, the chair that you are sitting on, you see, depending on your understanding, if you take the chair as so, it's just a chair I'm sitting on, it shall just be an ordinary chair. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
And if you take the chair, I'm just sitting on a chair. It will be an ordinary chair to you. But if you know that even the ground where you are, anytime you're in the presence of God, the ground where you stand is holy ground. Therefore, the chair that you are sitting on is a holy article. Then you know how to approach these things. Not to mention your sacrifice and your prayers. Sacrifice and prayers. Praise the Lord. That's why we always pray when we come for God. We always pray. Now, um, for example, who can we have? Can we have? Okay, comfort. Uh, comfort. Okay, you, you know the chair you're sitting on? Bring that same chair. Bring that same chair. Bring it here. Okay, just put it there. All right. You see, turn face this way. All right. Now, now you know that this chair that you have been sitting on it forms part of the altar because we are we are in the presence of God in the altar now. Therefore, as you sit on, you are not just sitting on. The, it's not the same as the chair you have in your house. It's a holy article. And therefore, even by sitting on the chair, know that you are sitting on blessing. Now, having this knowledge now, now, sit on it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we have one more person? Okay, this time, you don't have to bring a chair for it. Just to show that where you are sitting, the chair you are sitting on. So, you can sit on the chair. Where you are. are you free there? How many chairs do we have? So, keep an eye on her. Yes. Church, do you... Do you do you agree with me? Yes. So, he doesn't have, he doesn't have to bring it. So, whatever you are sitting, that chair you are sitting on. If you see that chair as a holy article, I know that, you know, in, in many churches, we'll keep an eye on him for us, um, they think that a pastor's chair, pastor's chair is the only, you know, holy chair. Hey, that's why you are not even allowed to touch it. <laughs> you can't even go near it. John, is that not true? Forgetting that even the chair that you are sitting on may be even holier than the pastor's chair. <laughs> holier than the pastor's chair. So they always have, I see pastors, you know, I've been that this chair, in fact, it was you who bought it for me. I, 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 for a long time, I was sitting on a plastic chair. Keep an eye I, I used to sit on a plastic chair, you remember? I wasn't interested in having a special chair. But I came to church one day and somebody had changed my, 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 my chair. And actually, I don't know who changed the chair. So I was forced to sit on it. But to me, I see churches where the pastor's chair is like a throne. You know, until I see the pastor's chair that he sits on is like a throne. And everybody else is sitting on a kitchen, you know, kitchen stool. But I you know, stool. And the pastor is sitting like a, it's like a, a king. And I said, wow. I went to, you know, and, and church I, doing, I went to a church for a wedding. And young pastor, about 
28. He was actually a sofa. They put a sofa behind the pulpit for him. He was, he was actually reclining like, a, like Caesar, you know. Like Caesar. And I was sitting there, I was watching, I said, I'm only 28 years old. And the whole sofa that you sit at, for you alone, sitting there, you are reclining like, a, like, a, like Caesar in the, in the Roman Empire, in Rome. Were you touched? I wasn't watching. You were touched. Yes. So, beloved, the altar, the altar, we need, you know, coming for God is altar. Coming for God. Don't just come for God in the heart. That's why as often as you come, as you can, you must come before God. And when you come, know that where you are sitting, the chair you are sitting on, it's a holy article. Holy article. Um... I think when we chapter one, I used to sit on a plastic chair. I don't know, chapter one. Plastic chair. I think even chapter two. I don't know, plastic chair. Right? So when I came here, I don't know. Maybe there are you because, oh, daddy, daddy, you just change your chair. You are, you are seeing what you are seeing on TV. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, anybody else wants to? Are we all happy with that? You're all happy with that. So, beloved, when we come before God, anytime we come together, you have not just come to a church. You're not just sitting in an ordinary chair. You know, you must understand these things. And then when we pray, you pray. That's why I always say, if you don't have an offering, we'll give you an offering to give. If you come to church, you don't have an offering. I always say that if you don't have an offering, we will give you an offering. We must give an offering. Because you must come to a bronze altar before you go to the gold altar. You can't just go to the gold altar and neglect the bronze altar. Two altars in the church. And you must make use of both of them. And that's why we don't throw money on the floor in FCAC. It, to me, it's a total disrespect for God. And that's why we don't have any image, anybody's picture in front of the altar. If the church is the altar of God, don't, nobody should put his picture there. But everywhere you see pictures, 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 everywhere you see them. And that's the reason why I don't think any man should call him the founder of a church. You can be Jane of Asia, but never a founder. No human being can ever found a church. Even if you're a member of five or ten members, no way. Once the church and God is there, you cannot say that you are the founder of that church. Amen. Clap your hands for Jesus. Thank you for participating in this teaching service. We believe you have been blessed by the word. You're welcome to visit us at Emma Community 5 of PV or being run about. God bless you and we hope to see you next Tuesday.